Well, Merry Christmas. Hey, welcome to Redemption Parker. Uh, if, you, if you're new here, welcome. We're glad if you're visiting family or just came in off the street. Uh, my name is Mark. We, we'd love to connect with you as far as you want to. Uh, so there's connect cards at your seat or there's some people wearing uh, these strategic servant badges with, and they would uh, be glad to share with you what Redemption Park is all about. Uh, we're excited for this day that we can come and, and celebrate the greatest miracle that the world has ever seen and the greatest gift that the world has ever received. Uh, but I, I was thinking about just how uh, a few years ago we moved back to Colorado. But before this, we, we had the opportunity to live in two of the most atheist countries in the world. And, and there was times when it felt like Jesus was everywhere and Jesus was nowhere. And so we lived in, the, in Japan for 10 years. We lived in the Czech Republic. And uh, you could find Jesus if you had eyes to see, but, but most did not. I remember writing a Christmas sermon in a Starbucks in Okinawa and taking out my earbuds. And what, what you just sang and, and the songs that we're going to sing tonight were pumping through the air. And, and, and the gospel was being proclaimed. And now, not everyone there spoke English, but some of them did. And I was just like, man, Lord, the, the gospel is in this place and no one knows. No one can see. No one can hear. You know, a week later, we're in the aquarium looking at sharks and tropical fish. And again, the carols are coming in to the aquarium. Japanese people, they love Christmas insofar as it's presents and Santa Claus. And they say, well, there's some carols that go along with this as well. But they miss Christmas. We moved to the Czech Republic, and while, again, there is, there is some historic roots, uh, there's churches on every corner, there's a Jesus on a crucifix at, at every corner, uh, Jesus is everywhere and yet nowhere. I remember just teaching a class on basics of Christianity and just trying to tell them about a God who loves and is merciful and, and there's a thing called truth and Jesus came and he sacrificed himself and there was just a, a, a blank stare on their faces like, we don't know what you're talking about. And, and I was just praying, Lord, please break through. Uh, one church in Prague was doing a kind of a man-on-the-street interview to kind of get the spiritual pulse of the city at that time. And... Uh, like in, a, in English, there, there's some curse words in Czech that use the, the Lord's name. So, we, we, you know what ours are, but, but theirs, they, they might say, Jesus, Maria, Joseph. So, Jesus, Mary, Joseph. So, if you're flustered and, and you don't know what's going on, you're angry with someone, Jesus, Mary, Joseph. Well, this, on this man on the street interview, they're, they're asking some questions about, to these Czechs about, hey, what do you know about Christmas? And he's answering. And then they, they ask the question, do you know? Do you know who Jesus' earthly mother and father were? And he goes, ah, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, I don't know. (laughs) And he was dead serious. Like, that's how close and yet how far away the gospel was from kind of penetrating, really penetrating the culture. But, but, But then I thought about, like, we can miss it too. Like, like we can miss it even in the midst of pursuing all the Christian things, like singing the right songs and, and having it all together. Like there, there's this kind of traditional pursuit. Like if, if the Christmas trees are up and the lights are just right and we get all the presents, then uh, we'll have celebrated Christmas and we can do all that and still miss Jesus. Like most of us are here like, we're, we're, we're great. Hey, 3.30 Christmas Eve service, that's going to give us time. It's going to give us time to go home and, and we're going to light a fire and, and we're gonna, the kids aren't going to fight. And, uh, you know, there's, it's just going to be, it's going to be kind of an amazing moment. 
right? There's going to be just this, you get your hot chocolate on. And the fire's going and maybe you'll let them open a gift. And they're going to love it. And then they're going to go to bed early. And they're going to sleep in. Yeah, none of that ever happens. It, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to try to ha- make that happen. It doesn't mean that, man, if it happens for you, praise God tonight. Like, hey, you can come up and tell us how to do that next year. That'd be awesome. But even if it was ideal, we could still miss Jesus. In fact, uh, when you think of the ideal Christmas, and we all want it, we all are pursuing it in some way, shape, or form. We have a vision of what we want. But when you think of the ideal, and you think of the first Christmas, it was anything but ideal. Like it was a crisis pregnancy. It was a crisis in, in the town. It'd be the crisis of the parents. Like it's not how they would have drafted it up. They're like, this is not what we want God to do in our lives. This is not what we want Christmas to be about. And so I, I hope just in this moment before we sing a lot of familiar songs with a lot of truth in them, we can just recenter our hearts and our minds on what this is really about. Before we move on to the meals and the tree and the presents, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, you can find your way to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. just want to spend a, a short time here tonight together just retelling the story. It's a story that many of you have heard many times before. Maybe it's the first time you're going to hear this story, but um, Matthew chapter 1, in verse, starting in 18, it begins to tell the story of the coming of King Jesus stepping out of his throne room in glory and into uh, our time and our space and taking on human flesh and taking on all of our limitations and, and, and getting tired and getting hungry and getting thirsty. And we, we'll see later on in his life, he bleeds like you and me. And the fact that he would leave his throne room in glory where he is praised forever by the angels because he's worthy of all praise, honor, and glory and step into this. This is a magical moment. And so we'll just walk through it for a moment. And I really want to focus on what Matthew focuses on. The two names that he's going to give to this being who comes on and, and comes down and puts on flesh. But we'll kind of work through it in just a moment. Starting in verse 18, I'd ask you to listen carefully. This is God's word. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So Matthew tells us she was betrothed. That They had some traditions there that are like 500 reasons why I'm glad I don't live in the first century. Like the first tradition was the parents got together and, and uh, you know, decided who's going to marry who. Like, I'm very happy with my choice. Thank you very much. And so I'm glad they didn't have that one. But the next tradition I kind of like, the next one was the, the, the parents of the son, because I have four daughters, the parents of the son would have to give a dowry, a, a, a quite a large sum to the family of the daughter. So, so, so there was some financial investment into that family. And because there was a financial investment quite heavily, they had this plan. In this tradition, they would get legally married, but you, they would not come together and they would not live together. They would not uh, consummate the marriage for one year. A terrible plan, but that, that's what they want to do. Because what was at stake was if we're going to give all this money to, to you, she better be pure. She better have it together. And so for this year, we're going to see, make sure she, she was pure and, and ready to go with that. And so, uh-oh. 
by all accounts and in every other moment in history uh, when someone's pregnant, something has happened there. And, and now we read in Luke that, that the angel has come to Mary and said, hey, don't worry, this is uh, of God. You, you are favored. And, but even that, she's 13, 14 years old, maybe. Even that, like the angel telling her, hey, it's going to be okay. You're the highly favored one. Like even if she feels good about that, like well, how is she going to tell anyone? Eventually Joseph finds out and he would react like any of us react. And when she says, it's, don't worry, it's from God? Like, really? But, but again, imagine the... Again, this is not an ideal Christmas. This is not how we would draft it up. It's a messy Christmas. And maybe that's more what Christmas is about. God who comes and enters into our mess. God who comes and doesn't necessarily make our lives better, at least as how we would want it to be, but makes our lives matter forever and ever and so God has come down and, and, and he's, uh, he's come with, in, with Mary and now uh, Joseph is, is concerned. Verse 19 and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly because they are, they are legally married. It's like when you get married here, you go to the courthouse a few days before, you sign the paper, you are legally married, and you're just waiting for the wedding day to, to move on. That's just stretched out over a year. But, but we learn something about Joseph. He is, he is a just man, and he's a merciful man. In that way, he echoes his God. He has justice and mercy. He, he could have demanded his right. I mean, how wounded is he right now? How angry is he? How, how much has his life been turned upside down? He had plans and hopes and, and he, was, he was an upstanding young man in the society and he was hoping to carry that reputation forward and he could have, he could have brought her before everybody and had her stoned to death. But he's merciful, he's just, and he says, I'll take the hit, I'll just divorce her quietly later. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, yeah, I love the inner, uh, understatement of the Bible sometimes. Like, no, he is, he is wrecked. He's not just like, hmm, what should I do? No, he's like, God, God has wrecked his world in this moment. He is angry. He is crying his eyes out. He is wondering. Maybe he's even angry with God, praying like, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you bring this woman into my life to wreck my world like this? As he considered these things, To him, uh, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So basically the angel comes, probably Gabriel comes and says, don't worry, she was telling you the truth. I mean, certainly on the one hand, there's a measure of relief in that. But on the other hand, if you're Joseph, aren't you like, hey, that's great. Can you announce that to my whole town? Like maybe to the whole world so, so they just know we're, we're still upstanding citizens? No. It's so frustrating sometimes when God is at work in our lives and he doesn't do it the way we would have him do it. In fact, he does it the opposite. Like, God, they're still going to look down at us. We're still going to be uh, the, the laughing stock. Like, it's still going to seem like we did something we didn't do. But the angel doesn't care about that. So he rolls on and he says, verse 21, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, now we know that name. We, we say that name every week here, but... 
But Matthew reminds us of what it means. He says, for, his, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeshua. It's, it's the Hebrew for Joshua. It, it means the, Yahweh saves. It, it's a summary of the whole Old Testament. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You'll call his name Jesus. Salvation belongs to the Lord. For he will save his people for their sin, from their sins. We'll see why that is significant in a moment. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. We read about it earlier, Isaiah chapter 9. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And again, Matthew reminds us what that means, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So so Matthew wants us to ponder the names of Jesus. He is the Lord who saves, and He is the God who is with us. And what what I want us to ponder, just for a few minutes, is that those two names work together. Because He is the Lord who saves, He is the Lord who is with us. Because He is the Lord who is with us, He is the Lord who saves. Okay, so let me break it down just a little bit more for you. He's Emmanuel... And he's Jesus. Emmanuel means that God with us. He, he is not a God who stands far off. This tells us something about God. It tells us something about his kingdom and his reign and his rule. He enters into our mess. He, he enters into our brokenness. He enters into the darkness. He enters into the, the sin and the shame and everything that is part of our world, all of our lives that don't, aren't quite what we want them to be. Jesus enters into all that because he is God with us. And, and at the incarnation... Jesus, member of the Trinity, takes on a second nature. He is truly God and truly man. Fully God, fully man. So that means he can represent us. That that means he can be our representative and he will eventually be our sin-bearing representative on a cross. The Apostle Paul talks about this in his letter to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 when he says, But when the fullness of time had come... In other words, your translation might read, at just the right time, like not not a day too late, not a day too early, at just the right time in this moment in history, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So He was born Emmanuel, God with us. He takes on flesh, and and He alone can, can be born under the law and yet not break the law. The Bible calls this sin. It says, but, but because of that, he's also Jesus, the one who saves us from our sins. They were looking for a Messiah to save them from Rome and all their other oppressors. But Jesus comes and says, you have a worse problem. It's not out there. It's in here. And it runs down the divide of every human heart and every heart in this room. It's a rebellion before God that the Bible calls sin. And the wages of sin is death. And because you and I have sinned, we stand dead before the holy God and we were in need of God with us. We were in need of a representative. So he puts on flesh. He's Emmanuel and then he becomes Jesus. He becomes the one who saves. Paul reminds the Philippians of this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
or clung on to, but he emptied himself by taking the very form of a servant, being born in human likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. But because he is Jesus, he is also Emmanuel. Because he is the Lord that saves, he is now the Lord that is with us and always with us. It is the promise of the Bible. It is the first words of the Gospel of Matthew. It's the last words when Jesus comes and he says, Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus says, it's going to be awesome when I save you from your sins. I'm going to be with you. It's going to be better than me walking around planet Earth. I'm going to send my spirit and he's going to be inside you. And so we say it like this. Jesus inside us is better than Jesus beside us. He is now living his life in you by grace through faith if you've trusted in him. He's Emmanuel. He's God with you. But think about that. When we think of Emmanuel, we think, oh, Hallmark card, mother, uh, Mary, and Joseph, and a cute little baby, Emmanuel. But that's not what the Bible thinks of when, when it says Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. Here's, here's Emmanuel. Emmanuel is when you are going through a divorce and God is with you in the midst of that brokenness and that heartache. Emmanuel is when you go to the hospital and they say, you have cancer and this is the treatment and it doesn't look good and the outlook's not not real great for you. But you know what? Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel is when when you lose your job and finances are tight and and you don't know how you're going to get by. Emmanuel, God with us. And he's a gracious God. And he doesn't do things the way we would have him do it, but he does things in the end for our joy and ultimately for his glory. And we can bank on that. We, we know that all that he does, all the pain, the suffering, the brokenness, all that that he still allows in our lives, ultimately he is working out. He is with us in that. And, and praise God, he doesn't consult us on that. Like He doesn't let us know. Sometimes I see people walk away from God because they're like, I don't know what God's doing. I don't want anything to do with that. Imagine if God was like, hey, Mary, uh, oh, you want to know everything? Okay. He's going to grow up. He's going to be kind of a weird kid, but don't worry. He won't be a bad kid. Uh, But he'll grow up and uh, he'll teach people. He'll heal a lot of people. But Mary, uh, he's going to be betrayed by his best friends. And and he's going to be beaten. He's going to go before kings and he's going to be betrayed by Pontius Pilate and, and the leaders and then he's going to be crucified Mary I mean that's all Mary hears at that point doesn't matter what else God says there is never a, a day of happiness for the rest of her life if God tells her everything because she couldn't handle it we can't handle it in, in the midst of our brokenness and suffering yes we cry out God why are you doing this but but he's Emmanuel. He says, don't worry. I'm with you. I'm here. Because I'm Jesus. And I've saved you. And so maybe for you for the first time, you, you can receive the gift that, that, that he gives to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but receive eternal life. You can receive the gift. You can really embrace Christmas. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what brokenness, by grace through faith, you can have Emmanuel today. God with you. God has created you in such a way that there is a place in your heart that only he can fill. 
So, so there, there's a, a deep longing, there's a loneliness, there's an emptiness, there's an angst in every one of our hearts. And we'll try a, a thousand different things. We'll, we'll try success and money and wealth and drugs and alcohol. We'll, we'll cram all the things we can in that space. But it still echoes saying, I, I need God with me. And that's the gift of Christmas. Emmanuel, it's the offer for you. It's an offer for you if you are, are already a believer. Just a reminder that tonight, no matter how, what happens, if, the, if, the, if your house catches on fire, Emmanuel, God is still with you. No matter what happens tomorrow morning and what happens next week and next year, God is with you and He's working all things together for your good.